that old adage of knowledge is power always really seems to ring true for me. So building out commercial acumen within a marketing context, so whether that's forecasting, budgeting, pricing, margin management, and all of those things outside of marketing as a core in terms of communications or creative are just so critically important to piecing it all together. Welcome to CMO Masterclass, a podcast dedicated to understanding what makes the world's best marketers tick, their views on customers, markets, brands, technology, and the threats and opportunities they see on the horizon. I'm Phil Hussett, Agency Principal of DPR and Co Melbourne. Thanks for joining me. Let's get the show on the road. In this edition of CMO Masterclass, I'm speaking with Jane Wilmot, CMO of West Trauma's Workwear Group. Workwear Group is one of Australia's leading workwear and footwear companies, with brands including Kingji and Hard Yakka, as well as retailer network, Totally Workwear. Jane came to Workwear Group after a long history in automotive marketing, having risen through the ranks of GMH Holden to the role of GM of marketing. Jane's role with Workwear Group puts her in charge of brands with combined sales of over a quarter of a billion dollars. As a client of DPR & Co, we've come to know Jane as a dynamic, collegiate and motivating force of nature. She's also one of the most enjoyable people we've had the pleasure to work with. Jane, welcome to CMO Masterclass. Thanks so much, Phil. That's a very kind introduction. Great to be joining you today. Thank you so much. Jane, uh, could you give us an outline of your personal journey through the ranks of GM at uh, General Motors to your role at Workwear Group, please? Absolutely, Phil. It's been a fantastic ride so far. I truly love the craft of marketing and those earlier years at General Motors really set me up for success. It was really an acute focus on those basic marketing principles and processes that have served me so well. So from several roles in those early years really enabled me to build the right foundational skills that have helped me as I've progressed through my career. Things like the importance of brief writing, research and insights, brand strategy, go-to-market execution, and all of those things that are fundamental to the way we work and attracting the right consumers to our brand. Of course, all while having some fun along the way. I think throughout my career, I've had some amazing opportunities to learn and grow exposure through, you know, whether it be international motor shows, sporting events, multi-million dollar campaigns, digital tools, a few ute musters to throw in there for for good mix. But um, really across the career to date, really being able to leverage into different areas of, of marketing. So whether that be focused on brand or retail execution, digital or CX. Um, but I'd certainly say it was the years that we're working in the sales discipline and working really closely with the dealer networks, so franchise networks that really put me in good stead. Uh, I will say to anyone that listens that I'm a far better marketer as a result of my time in sales, really working at that coalface understanding how programs roll out, how the two teams can better support itself really has been an invaluable experience through the journey so far. And I think big opportunity across that time to work on impressive vehicle portfolios, iconic brands like the Holden Commodore, Colorado, my time at Nissan with Navara, moving into working on residential construction and a little bit of something different there, all of which which have led me to Workwear Group, as as you've noted, 
and the amazing brands being Hardjacker and King G's. So I think by way of summary, Phil, it's a matter of saying I've been chasing the tradie my whole career. So it's almost with an innate understanding of that audience that I'm combining my passion for Australian brands and that audience that's brought me to that current role and, and here I am. Jane, and you know, I have to say, having worked with you, it's clear that you have that peripheral vision of the people that you're looking to help, particularly the people at the coalface of sales. One of the things that immediately struck me about working with you is that incredible balance you have between decisiveness and your collegiate sensibility. How did you apply that at Holden? Because Holden, I was always told, was legendary for being a really blokey culture that took no prisoners and where you know people were instructed to do things and you did it or you left. That was almost legendary about Holden. And yet, here you are, just this amazing bastion for this collegiate working style. How did you come to that? Well, firstly, thank you. That's a lo lovely observation and, and compliment. Um, I think as marketers, we're always challenged with leading with the head or the heart. Uh, and I love that about marketing, navigating the science and the art of it all. And I think that absolutely spills over into my daily operating. So through my time at Holden and, and even to this day, I very much like to lead with warmth and build strong teams. So whether that be my own team or with a group of colleagues across department, even through to agency partners like yourself, I think that approach and relationship building is so, so important and has been to my career success and leadership today. But certainly balancing that, as we say, with that focus on making the right commercial decisions, that's just so critically important to ensure that always at the front of mind is how are we developing these programs? How are we executing marketing programs that have that commercial lens? Finding that balance can be difficult, but it can be obtained. It's, it's, it can be a daily challenge, but one to definitely yeah, dig into. And I'd certainly say on working culture, culture varies so much between businesses, between industries. Yes, for sure. General Motors, very much blokey in those earlier years, but I will say I was very fortunate to see the evolution and the positive change that happened in that space. You know, they appointed a Mary Barra as their female leadership and CEO. Things did turn. Um, it improved, approved a lot. And I think that's a credit to that organisation. Speaking to my latest role with Workwear Group, I've really noticed that so much time and effort there, it's put in around building a positive workplace culture very much talking the talk and not just walking the walk. I really see that it's an organisation that prioritises safety, so not just your physical safety, but mental safety, aligning the teams to core business values, being a support and being the best we can for our people, a friendly culture, what I call open borders with information. I think that sharing and collaboration is something that can really accelerate building a positive culture. And having fun while you're doing it, really creating a great working environment. And that, for me as a leader, is a great environment in which uh, to lead. Jane, you um, mentioned earlier about the iconic Australian brands that you've worked with and led. And here you are with a couple of brands, one which is almost 100 years old, just working with brands that iconic and that much a part 
of the Australian cultural fabric carried with it a special and unique kind of responsibility, do you think? Absolutely. I 100% feel uh, so responsible <laughs> for these brands and, and so connected to them. Australia, it's such an amazing country, one of entrepreneurship, innovation, mateship, um, and helping iconic brands build within this community and weaving them into the fabric of the Australian communities has and continues to be such a privilege for me. Uh, it certainly gets me out of the bed in in the mornings. And from a marketing perspective, I just love that beautiful mix, firstly, of honouring the past and the legacy and the traditions of these brands, but then marrying that up with an evolving Australia and ensuring that brands continue to express themselves in a way that is relevant to today's consumer, that it's modern, and it is, in fact, involving with the pace of today's communities. See, there's that balancing act again, isn't it? <laughs> you've, got, you've got balance of cultural mores that you're striking, and then those balances almost through osmosis translate into the way that you're positioning brands. Absolutely. As I said, I think it is in in every day, it's like forging your path ahead without losing that sort of history and legacy behind you or making that commercial decision, but doing it with heart. I think that is sometimes the challenge and the curse of working in marketing. But as I say, something that gets me out of bed every morning. Jane, one of the questions that I've asked a number of CMOs is the positioning of the role of the CMO amongst their fellow members of the C-suite. In a number of companies traditionally, marketing was seen as being that colouring in department where you'd send instructions to put together events or to put together ads that were, that were good looking and glossy, uh, but that was slightly disconnected to the business itself. How did you position your role at both Holden and Workwear Group in that C-suite and marketing as a science and an art, as you said, that was worth giving an ear to in that C-suite? Well, you've touched on a, a few good points there, Phil, because yes, I think I've been uh, told that I've worked in the colouring department or the department that arranges the flowers that marketing's a degree in common sense. I think I've pretty much heard them all over the years, but um, earning that respect um, of colleagues and of the C-suite can be very, very challenging. So for me, it's been a couple of things and it's always seeking to understand your counterparts as that first stop, finding common ground and goals with the people that you're interacting with. And I think in business, you earn respect by showing respect. So usually that's my starting place. And beyond that, I would also say that for me, it's very much data and consumer insights and the richness that they can bring and also helping marketing being a driving force within any organisation. So the ability to surface those insights, unlock actionable insights that can help a business achieve its goals and move forward can really highlight marketing as that growth centre, not just the cost centre or the colouring in department, as we say. It's a department that can absolutely deliver tangible value and with it earn that respect. And it can be transformative value. 
can't it? I mean, there are so many instances where a great marketing idea, and I'm being small in marketing as well as obviously communications, but where ideas that are generated from the marketing department have transformed a business. 100%. It could unlock a new audience. It could be a piece of creative that puts a brand on the map. Um, you know, many facets of marketing have been responsible across the globe for unlocking growth for organisations. It is a cool industry to be in, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Jane, can you tell us something that you feel has contributed to your success as a marketing head that you feel is not commonly understood by current or aspiring CMOs at large, people like marketing directors or marketing managers? So, Phil, I think there's a couple of points here um, that I think have been really fundamental to my success. I'd say the first one there is just that ability to get under the the hood of the car. So pardon, pardon the pun on that one. It's really one of the best things that you can do. That old adage of knowledge is power always really seems to ring true for me. So building out commercial acumen within a marketing context, so whether that's forecasting, budgeting, pricing, margin management, and all of those things outside of marketing as a core in terms of communications or creative are just so critically important to piecing it all together. And I think it's the connections that I've made with sales or finance or corporate strategy teams and tapping into those external resources that have helped me build that corporate knowledge and can really help guide the approach to marketing. And it just makes it so much more meaningful and so much more powerful. I'd also say on that question, approaching situations without the win-lose lens. So just becoming comfortable with working in the grey of ambiguity and making step changes in your interactions rather than having that all or nothing mindset. It's been a really big unlock for me in my career so far and perhaps one of those things that isn't really commonly noted or seen within our space and not being afraid to be held accountable for brand metrics. So, you know, throwing some money at the wall and seeing what sticks, those days are definitely over. Get to know your brand metrics, track them, set meaningful targets, link your actions to them and start building them. It's not easy. It can take time and effort. But as I said, the old spray and pray approach just doesn't cut it. And so I think it's that ability for a marketing leader to step in and take ownership and start driving the agenda in that space can really, truly be powerful. Jane, if you, with all of the hindsight that you have over that career, is there something that you would look back and go, I wish I'd have done more of that? Or conversely, I wish I'd have done less of that? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I think with this industry, there's always room for a little more risk, isn't there? <laughs> Taking the calculated but bold decision, particularly with creative, um, as you would know, it's really critical to the effectiveness of our advertising efforts. So I think, as I said, working in the grey, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and pushing those boundaries can really be something that creates growth unlocks growth um, and just doing more of that, I think just yields bigger and better results. I'd certainly say more fun. <laughs> I think as marketers, we have a lot of fun. Um, and whilst I take my job very seriously, you do have to remind yourself now and then to slow down and stop and smell the roses from time to time. And 
we're not brain surgeons. It's not life or death. So make sure that you're you're enjoying it along the way. In terms of what I would do less of, gosh, I think that one would be perhaps even more so in my earlier years, hopefully to a less extent now, would be second guessing myself. So earlier in my career, I think I could often overthink a decision or focus too heavily on the what if scenarios. So really, I just needed to just deal in the facts and deal in the present moment and back myself. And I think, you know, if I could have talked to myself 10 years ago, that would have been that extra little advice that I would have given myself on on that journey. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because some people say, don't sweat the small stuff. And other people say, watch the pennies and the pounds will take care of themselves. In other words, the devil's in the detail for want of a better term. So there's, again, a balance between those two things to try and strike. You also mentioned having fun, but at the same time, keeping your eyes on the prize. There are a number of things in play in your remit that require a degree of balance that is, it's not uncanny, but it requires a lot of attention. Yeah, if this was a circus, Phil, would we be walking the tightrope or would be spinning the plates? I'm not sure, but maybe it's a combination of both. At the same time. At the same time. <laughs> Perhaps so. But you're right. It's not brain surgery. And the great thing is nobody dies generally if we get it wrong, <laughs> thankfully. Another question about that. Jane, I've heard it said that I've never learnt anything from a success. I think it was Nelson Mandela that said that. I've only ever learned from my mistakes. Are the mistakes that you've made along the way that you would look back on with a degree of gratitude? Absolutely. I think in any career, you're going to have these moments of pivotal learning. And that's exactly what they are. They're learning and businesses or individuals allowing themselves time to reflect on that, to adapt and to grow is just so important. I don't know that there's sort of one that really sticks out in my mind, but I feel like I'm still learning all the time. And I think if you hit a roadblock or something doesn't go quite to plan, I think it's that ability to use it as an opportunity to do better next time. That's something that certainly spurs me on. And I think that continuous improvement mindset, whilst a challenge, really uh, can help contribute to those future successes. Do you find you bounce back quickly from something going wrong? And how do you do that? Look, sometimes it involves a couple of champagnes after, I feel. <laughs> but certainly I think that's the thing is not weighing ourselves down in that. You take the critical learnings, you take those learnings forward, but you you know put your power and attention and energy into making it better next time. I think you can't change the past, but you can absolutely affect the future. Have you found that when your fellow C-suite members saw you make an honest shot at something and it did go wrong, that they were supportive of that? Yes, and I think you're always going to have different lenses with different personalities. So, you know, some might see something as an ultimate failure and other personalities might see it as that learning opportunity. And I think, you know, the best leaders out there are the ones that see it as a learning opportunity. We are all human at the end of the day, and I think that's something to be understood, but something also to be harnessed and 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 to create good from. So I think anyone that, you know, wants to rake someone over the coals for that failure is not necessarily taking the right approach there. Yes, you've got to be accountable. Yes, you've got to be responsible. And we've got to, you know, unpick and deep dive into what went wrong and why so we can learn. 
But I think if you applying that lens of continual improvement and learning opportunity, it's just a better environment, a more positive culture, and one that will yield better result next time around. Jane, thinking about your management style and your total approach to being a leader in the organisations that you've been part of the C-suite in, do you have a set of principles that you've worked to that are your guide in how you manage people and how you manage teams? Absolutely. I think my core values are very much centred around honesty, kindness, team and collaboration. And that's served me pretty well so far, I have to say. I want to support my teams, help them excel and grow. And in turn, I feel so will the business. So I like to work with a pretty simple principle of uh, I put in for them and they put in for me. A simple exchange, but I think one that's anchored in mutual uh, respect and, and a shared vision. And I think often those values not only are the guiding principle for me in my daily operating or with my team or within the business, very much that can extend to other relationships. So agency relationships, very much believe that agencies are an extension of our team, an extension of our business. So really important to invest in those partnerships and also create that shared value and vision and work for and with each other. Mm, it's as obviously a leader of our agency, I can uh, I can absolutely attest to the fact that we work longer, harder, more diligently for clients that we feel value what we do and understand some of the things that we go through when we're pushing for real excellence. We're going to push things and sometimes we'll push them in the wrong direction, but we really like it, even if someone steers us back a little or even pushes us a little further. Simply the fact that they value our additional energy towards excellence just makes all the difference in the world. It really does. It, it lights our people up, actually. It really does. And that, that's what it's all about. As we said, we're, we're, we're here fighting the good fight and taking the, the challenges by the scruff of the neck, and that's how we get an outcome. Indeed. Jane, what is the most important thing or things that you see on the economic or cultural horizon that, that business leaders and particularly CMOs need to understand in the immediate future? I think for us, and there's been so much conversation over this last period, and I feel that that is only continuing to escalate, is really harnessing Gen Z, meeting their expectations, their pace, aligning with the way that they experience the world. We've just seen such rapid and continual adoption of new technologies. So we need to start thinking differently about our approach, how to navigate um, fragmented media markets. More than ever, we need to understand behaviour and unlock audience insights for this group. And of course, with all of that technology that's coming so, so fast comes data. So data usage, data safety and privacy becoming even bigger challenges for business. We've, you know, we've seen those recent issues with big companies across Australia. Um, nobody wants to be that company up in lights next week. And I think it brings not only a lot of challenge, but a lot of opportunity. And it's something that we really do need to keep front of our mind on this next horizon. There's that confluence as well between data and the elephant in the room at the moment, which is AI, 
And boy, is that causing some ructions in the marketing industry per se, as people are wondering what happens with search and what happens with, for example, content generation and how much of that is going to be facilitated by AI. And I saw an interview, in fact, we reposted an interview with the marketing head of Jasper, who is the developer of ChatGPT4, and and her view was quite remarkable insofar as she indicated that marketers' roles may change, but they will not go away, and that human insight, that human intelligence, is irreplaceable in a lot of parts of marketing. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I feel like I've been having conversations in this AI space for over 10 plus years now, lots of conferences, lots of discussion, interaction with other big business. I think it's really exciting. I think it's a new frontier for marketing. I think robotics, I think, um, you know, sound and voice is critical to this AI horizon, but you just can't underestimate what a computer can do versus what a human can do. And I think, you know, the theme for our chat today has very much been around balance. And I think that's exactly what is going to play out here as well. And finding that balance between what can a computer or a robot deliver for you versus what a human can aid and build within a business as well. I agree. And I hope we're both right. <laughs> Jane, in looking at the role of the CMO, that access to data and that closeness with the science of data and technology do you think that that's playing a role in shaping the way CMOs work now, as well as the relationship between CMOs and their fellow C-suite members? Oh, 100%. I think close partnership with the technology team is an absolute must um, for any marketing leader. Successfully connecting with customers through technology can absolutely bring about a competitive advantage. So very important to set marketing roadmaps that are aligned to technology ones and work hand in hand with our technology counterparts. I think the role of the marketing leader has its foundation certainly in those core marketing principles, but there's a need for marketers to stretch further and into technology and the customer space as well than ever before. So building those partnerships upskilling your knowledge base are all key. Our partnerships, of course, and the role that the agencies can play in this space and ensuring that strategies are also connected to that technology and marketing roadmap, I think is really starting to potentially open up opportunities for, for business, not just marketing departments. I agree. And in fact, it's an area that is nascent for a lot of agencies as they begin to explore partnerships with data scientists that go well beyond just simple market segmentation, but move towards mass customization. And I think that's one of the things that AI will facilitate a lot. Mm. And it could mean that customer experiences evolve pretty quickly to become much more intuitive and much more personal. 100%. But as we say, it's doing that, but not losing that sensibility that is the gut feel, the human element, the softer touch that a human can provide. I think, as we said, big conversation about balance today and it, and it filters through everything we do. 
Thank God for people like you in our industry, Jane, Will not, because otherwise it could um, be a cold place to be if we were entirely reliant on the data alone. But um, also it'd be an artless place. And I think one of the things that I heard you say fairly recently is I can't wait to see the ideas that are emerging out of a strategic process that we're engaged together. And that excited me because I thought if we're all together pushing towards a set of ideas that are genuinely exciting and genuinely different. Oh, that's a beautiful place to be, isn't it? It's really powerful. I think, you know, we we sit in these marketing teams and marketing departments and I think everyone wants to, you know, do good work and attract consumers and get people to think about their brands in different ways. And just the opportunity almost with the project you're talking about, Phil, is to have that clean slate to to start at the start again and build something fantastic and something that's exciting and something that will attract consumers. This is the stuff that makes, you know, our industry so exciting. Well, it's um, it's already been an amazing journey and I can't thank you enough for coming in, Jane. It's been just a terrific time with you and I'm sure that some of your insights will be of amazing help, especially to people that are moving through the ranks of the marketing executive towards that CMO role because it's a difficult challenge to both maintain posture and to keep your eyes on the prize when there are so many different distractions, quite powerful ones coming from other parts of the business. So Jane, thank you for your insights. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It's been wonderful having you. Thanks so much, Phil. Thank you. That's it for this edition of CMO Masters. Click the link for a transcript of this interview. I look forward to you joining me again for the next edition of CMO Masterclass.